thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, let's do this. Let's open up the Bible and let's get to it. I am excited to share about this because the truth is this, that I am so alive, so alive that I wish sometimes... I could die more to Christ so I could live more in Him. Meaning, I am so alive to my things. I love so dearly. I like so much. I desire so much. And yet sometimes God would ask me for some things that I refuse to give up. And I wish I could die to those things so that I could be closer to Him. It's the giving up of what you like for what you truly love. Does that make sense? Um, today, I'll be going, uh, uh, doing this. It's, it's almost... It almost seems like a deep theological discussion. If I lose you for a moment, try to stay with me because I know, I know you'll catch up. Not only will you catch up, it's going to bless your life if you stay with me, okay? So I'm going to cover some, some, some words that seem big, but they're not, they're, not, they're not just book words. I mean, they're practical words that we need to know. If you don't learn this today, it'll hurt you tomorrow. But if you learn it today, it'll be a blessing for the rest of of your life. If you get tired, get up and smack yourself. If you lose attention, whatever it is that is distracting you, throw it against the wall, whether it's a phone or a person. Like, do whatever it takes to grab a hold of these things. We met up with some pastors yesterday. Um, uh, they're like famous singers, and they want to do the G12 vision. And they only just confronted this pa- This is the first time we meet them. Listen, the very first time we meet this amazing, amazing couple. And they only just said, you need to be in Colombia. And then the lady's like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to go. My husband will go. And she's like, no, you really need to go to Colombia. And I was like, first time we meet them. You know, and Eoni's just like, no. And she just started going at it, you know, boom, boom, boom. And I got just for God's glory, I just got the call. She's going, he's going, and they're bringing their son as well. So it is awesome. And the reason I tell you this is because she needed to hear someone helping her, pulling her, not pushing her. You need to go. It's like, we're going. Come with us. Does that make sense? By the way, if you're not going, you can't go. Don't feel nasty. Don't feel like you're less of a Christian or something. But that's specific. What we talked to this woman about was this amazing woman of God, really. They have like six churches. They're already doing this great thing. But we talked to them about the moments, the importance of a moment. That when God is doing something, you can't just check out. Some of you that are checked out right now, check back in. You cannot just check out when there's a moment. I remember one time, you know, Eoni and I were talking about something very important, and I checked out. You guys ever done that, man? Never do it again. You know, well, I checked out and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm missing something key. If she asks me a question, I am dead. You know what I mean? And so you got to do whatever it takes to check back in. Because these are moments that God is working that if you don't receive it, you will miss something so key. It's like algebra. You won't be able to build on it and you'll stay like some people. You know what I'm saying? This is a great moment for you. The first thing that we need to know is that God is holy. Holy, holy. What do you think the number one attribute of God in the United States of America is? Love, right? If you ask people, what is the number one attribute of God? What is God? And they'll say, love. They'll begin to sing you Beatles songs, you know, or, or all we need is love. And they think that that's like, you know, they think that God is, 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 is love. And although he is, his number one attribute, according to the Bible that you and I read, is holy. Holy, holy. 
One morning, I spent a few hours just trying to dig into this, and I found out at least in two hours that I was working at this, in the Bible, it spoke of God's holiness at least 558 times. That's how many, I got tired after 558, I was like, okay, it's a lot of holy. God is holy. Holiness throughout the entire Bible, just God is holy. Listen, the angels don't sing, love, 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 love. No, they sing, holy, holy, holy are you. Holy are you, God. Holy. And they cover their face and say, holy, holy, holy. That's all they say. Woe is me, for I'm a, man, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a people of unclean lips. Why do you think the prophet said that? Because he was in front of a clean God, a holy God. Does that make sense? We can't stand the presence of God if you really are in his presence because we know who we are. Paul and the Peter, both of them really, Peter, whenever he saw Jesus, he fell to his face and said, God, I am not worthy of you. Master, please. Peter knew who he was. He knew how holy God was. When Paul encountered the living God, he was blind for three days. You know what he was doing in those three days? Having an encounter with the Lord. Realizing how jacked up he was. It's called introspection. I don't want to see anybody else. It's me that needs transformation. So much of us, so many times, look at God and we see him as this, this resource to us. Instead of saying God is God. He is holy. He's set apart from everything. He stands above. We don't, listen, he doesn't depend on us at all whatsoever. If you did not exist, if you didn't care for him, if you didn't love him, it wouldn't modify him whatsoever. He's independent, yet he reaches out to us in his love and in his kindness. His holiness stands above whatever the heck you think. And that sounds mean to some of you unbelievers, but the truth is this, that God believes in you. Listen, you can never let God down because you don't hold him up. So nothing that you can do lets him down. You cannot let God down. Now, I feel like I'm letting him down. That's what you feel, but God already saw what you were going to do anyway, and he still loves you. Does that make sense? Like God already saw your mess up. He already saw how jacked up you are, and he saw himself as holy and said, yep, Jesus, you need to show up. You alone can go. The holiness of God is something that we need to grab a hold of. God is what? Holy. holy. And unless the church knows that, we will never truly know God. We don't know God unless we know the holy God. If you know the loving God, but you don't know the holy God, I'm sorry to tell you, but you don't really know God. You want to know that God. But the real God, a really real God, comes as a package, baby. You can't truly be loved if you don't know how much you truly are forgiven. It doesn't work without forgiveness. Man, he who forgive, is forgiven most, loves most. Why would you want forgiveness if you don't understand your true condition? We say this often that you would never jump, you would never need a parachute unless you're jumping off a plane. Right? Why would you want to carry around a parachute? You would be a fool. Just to walk around with a parachute. Oh, you run that fast, huh? Yeah, in case I need to stop. You know, it's like, no, you need a parachute because you're falling to your death. Otherwise, you don't need a parachute. Most people don't really need God because they don't realize how holy he is and how far they are from him without Jesus Christ. The holiness of God. The holiness of God is the beginning of the fear of the Lord. Some people don't fear God. They love God, but they don't fear God. So they mess up so much. Because there's no fear of the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I know pastors that love God, but they don't fear Him, and they live according to that. 
Cheap Christianity, cheap, cheap, cheap. Why do I tell you cheap? Because they don't realize the price, the cost that Jesus paid to pay for our sins. And so the, the grace becomes so cheap that we dispense it as though it was Kool-Aid or something. Man, God is so holy, so holy, you stand no chance of heaven. You are literally bound to hell for all eternity without the love of Jesus because he's that holy. You cannot stand near him without Jesus. You know, I, I, I look at the sun sometimes, and I try this. I don't know if you've ever tried this before, where you look and you, like, try to see anything in the sun. Have you ever tried that? It's really stupid. Like, is there anything in the sun? Don't try it much for a long time. Have you, anybody ever done that with me? Yes, I'm not alone. Okay, so I try to see if there's anything, like, that I can see in the sun, and it's like, foolishness you know but but that multiplied times a million times and that's like bajillion times and that's the lord like you can't see him you can't even you can't even get close to him unless jesus is there his holiness is that and so we need jesus now i'm going to break it down for you why holiness because he's holy number one why holiness because he's holy well what's in it for me well that is it if you are not with them, you're against them. If you're not with them, you're against them. There's no neutrality in Christianity. Either you're going forward or you're going backwards. It's that steep a climb. It is that steep a climb. Either you're going forward or you're going backwards. I absolutely, wholeheartedly, genuinely believe this. The Bible says that if you are lukewarm... The Lord will spit you out of his mouth. The word that it uses is vomit you from his mouth. Now some people say, see, that's why I'm cold. I'm sorry, that means you're already outside of him. The only choice you truly have is to burn hot for him, to drive forward with all you've got. And if you're not doing that, if the Holy Spirit is not convicting you to that, today is the most beautiful day for you. Because today you will learn the beauty of a transformed, holy, consecrated life. Let me explain why so many Christians live a Christianity that is not sanctified. Why sometimes we feel like we've already purchased our ticket. So Elijah and I, we went to the, and, and George and, Gian, and Gianni, and uh, who else? And Junior and Jonathan. Uh, it was three kids, three men. We went to the Monster Jam. Uh, you guys ever know what Monster Jam is? Like big old monster trucks. It was awesome. Like, it was incredible, right? And, uh, you know, we went there, and um, check this out. So um, I, I left my car in McDonald's, and while we went to, uh, where are you laughing, Georgie? You know, I left my car in McDonald's while we all went together. I paid. I ate at McDonald's. I became a customer, right? And so I did that. And so I left. When we came back about an hour and a half later, because the show's like an hour, my car was gone. Three, and so was $350 with it, you know, because it was $350 for about, that was the most expensive parking ticket I've ever paid in my life. Now, listen, I went in the window, and I tried to talk to the person. I was like, well, but I, I have my receipt. Like, I went to McDonald's. I became a customer. You know what the guy said to me? What can I do? There's nothing I can do for you. I was like, but it's, and I realized this. I was like, yeah, it was my mess up. I shouldn't have left my car. Now, you don't care about this stuff, I know. But there's, I'm going somewhere. There's no justification for me. That moment, there's nothing I can do. I couldn't tuck my way out of it. I couldn't weasel anything. I couldn't do anything. I just had to pay the fine. 
350 bucks that could have been and should have been towards my wife's new camera or something. You know what I mean? But instead, or really everything else, but instead I had to give it to this man. And I realized then, I was like, I am guilty as charged. What else can I say? What else can I do? Do you know when you get to heaven? Listen, please. You may not get there. You may, you may not. You'll be standing there and there's no justification. You won't say, but, but um, this is going to get crazy right here. This is what the guy explained to me. You were a customer, but the moment you leave the lot, by law, you stop being a customer. I was like, I didn't know that. Where is it right? Uh, research it. It's there. That's the law. The moment you leave the lot, you stop being a customer. So you have to take your belongings or your car with you. And I realized this as far as Christian walk goes. So many people behave as though their ticket's been paid forever and they don't have to do anything else. And that's it. I could live like I've never known you, God. I could live like hell and still go to heaven. And that is so far from the truth. I cannot sit here and judge you to hell. I won't never do that because I don't know who is and who's not. I think I'll be surprised when I get there. Like, well, you put. <laughs> and then I'm going to be looking for some people. Be like, where is he? Ah, I'm sorry. He didn't make it. You guys ever heard of that joke or that guy? Uh, and then, no, I don't have time for jokes. Let's do this. Let's do it. I don't have time. I'll tell you later another day. Okay, fine. This guy, right? His guy. Uh, they, <laughs> they, that didn't took my, you know, I don't even know if it was going to, I don't even remember because I'm not translating to, from Spanish. So, you know, this guy is like, you know, he starts going to church. Oh, yeah, you know, according to your good deeds, you know, how faithful you were, you're going to get the size of your, your mansion and your wealth in heaven. So the guy's like, yeah, really? He's like, yeah. And so he, he's super excited because he's, he's been faithful to his wife no matter what struggles. He's been so faithful to her. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this. And, and they get in this car accident and they both pass away. Right, and they're there up there, and they're like, and then the guy's like, you know, boom, sitting in this beautiful, like 2035 Ferrari, you know, and is coming from his mansion, and he's awesome, and he's driving, and he finds his friend that had, you know, told him all these things, and he said, Hey, man, that's an awesome car. Don't wait, that's your house. Man, I knew you were faithful. That's awesome. He's like, Man, but why are you so sad? And the guy looks at him, he's like, Because I just saw my wife on a skateboard. Oh, snap. Anyway, okay, cool. Let's keep going. Let's go back to the topic. So you guys, anyway, so let's go back to the topic. Okay. Some of you guys are like, oh, it's a joke. It's not theologically sound. I know that. So leave it alone. Okay. Anyway, so many times we live like hell and pretend like heaven is ours. Like really, like, like everything that we do, God, you know, God is lucky to have us in his team because we're so awesome. And the truth is this, is that you can't do that. The Bible talks about working out your salvation. Working out your salvation. Now, I'm not debating the, the, this debate because I believe once saved, always saved. My wife believes once saved, you got to stay saved. Now, we came to a conclusion, right? You live your life as though you could lose your salvation, but you have the faith that he's so faithful to you that he won't let you go. That's the only way we found to truly marry those two ideas. We had to because we're married. But let me tell you this. More and more as time goes by, I see things in ministry and I realize, man, God will have to apologize to so many people he judged if he lets you into his heaven. Like he will have to repent and God will not repent and won't apologize because he does not make mistakes. We cannot possibly live like this and pretend that heaven belongs to us. How could we do that? Now, you came on the right night. If you're thinking I came at the wrong night, you're in the right night. Let me explain to you why. Because 
Many Christians live a justified life, but not a sanctified life. Okay, justification happens in a moment. Sanctification is a process. Justification happens in a moment. Sanctification is a process. Okay, so I officiate weddings. You know I don't like officiating weddings. I'm sorry, but I don't. I would rather officiate a funeral than a wedding. Because in funerals, people get saved. In weddings, I have to, like, not mess up. I feel, don't mess up, don't mess up. There's an important day. Don't mess up. It's an important day. Now, I'll officiate your wedding because I love you, and I'll probably enjoy it because it's you, right? But, but, listen, listen. This is the truth. Some people work really hard towards getting married, and then they get married, and they don't know how to do marriage. That's what happens. We're so good at getting married. Oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. Look at the dress. Look at the flowers and the pictures, and oh, it's so magnanimous. And then their wedding, there's amazing. And then their marriage looks like a dumpster. It looks like you don't even care. You know what happens in Christianity? It's so beautiful. You gave your life to Jesus. Praise God for it. We all celebrate with you. But then there's the living out of that covenant that you made before so many people. Before a cloud of witnesses. That is called sanctification. We cannot just focus on your justification, because when you stand there, yes, you're justified, justified, never sin, right? That's the word, justified, never sin. Like you're there standing justified, but then what? Then what's your response to that beautiful act of love of Jesus? What happens now? What beats that? That's the question. What beats that beautiful act that leads you to turn your back on him? What is more important? What is more precious? What is more attractive? than his love? That's the real question. What do you like more than love him? What is it? And if that's the case, and if you can accept it, I think you're already halfway towards changing it. Because if you realize that, man, I've turned my back so much on you, God, I feel like I can't even face you anymore. You ever been there before? Derek Prince says that when a person falls into certain sexual sins, that uh, it's because demons take a hold of their body because they cannot have, you know, because joy is in the spirit, but happiness and pleasure is in the soul, right? But these beings, they don't have a, a, a body. They don't have a, something that they can draw pleasure from. So what he explains is that they take on a body, they draw pleasure from you, they use you, abuse you, then they leave right after the act, leaving you empty, feeling used, feeling full of sorrow. Now, he himself says, I can't find a verse in the Bible to tell you, but that's how it's felt every time. That's how it is. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but the truth is this, is that you know when you exchange the holiness of God and the beauty of God for a lesser, cheap version of true love and true joy. I've been there before. I know what that's like. Where you feel like you get ripped off and you're like, man, I didn't pay for this. And certainly he didn't pay for this. Justification. Happens immediate. Sanctification, it's a lifestyle. It's a process. It's a getting up again and again and again. If you failed, you do have an advocate, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you. But don't pretend he doesn't exist. Let's not pretend like he doesn't love you because he does. How do you respond to someone's love? How do you respond to someone's love? The last time I checked is with love, with commitment with desire, with enjoyment. That's the only true way. So let me explain this process really, really quick. So I'm walking away from sin. I'm, okay, so let's pretend that this is where God is. That is where hell and all its 
demons and, and all the demonic stuff that happens on earth like drug addiction and you know, sexual immorality and, and all the things that, that, that are just so horrible that drive you away from God. And you give your life to Jesus and you say, Lord, I turn from my sin and I face you. And that's the moment of justification, okay? But now, now you have to do this walk towards God. Sometimes you say, God, I turn to you, and you do this. But I love you. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Is it true or not? Now, if this is too real for you, you can just catch it on tape and pause it when you don't like it. But the truth is we do this, and then sanctification in our lives takes no, no part. It's like I already got the ticket. I already am going to Monster Jam. I'm happy. And then that's it. The truth is that if we don't start walking towards God daily, now you may take a step back because you're a human being and you desperately need discipleship and you need accountability and you need prayer and you need someone helping you out. Not only that, you need the Holy Spirit power that sometimes you don't tap into. And so we, amen, give God a shout of praise. Why not? But the process of sanctification has at least two to three components that are so key that sometimes we don't even know what they are. Now, today I'd like to share with you how to walk forward. So if you were to name tonight, tonight's topic is how to walk forward. We walk backwards sometimes in our life. Well, how to walk forward? How to actually take that step and then the next step and then the next step? This process, like I said, is called sanctification. Is that good? Are you guys okay? Now, this next word sounds big. It sounds like big and huge and almost ugly. But that process is called mortification. What is it called? Mortification. mortification. What does it sound like? Death, like murder, right? Mortification is the death of self, the death of things. Why is the 12 fasting? Why are the men fasting? Why do we fast? To die, to the things that we like, right? Sometimes, sometimes we don't realize this, but we say so much yes to us. That if we would have said no to us at that moment, God would have said a bigger yes to us. Meaning, if we would have said no to this, God would have said yes. And everything that goes with it. But we say so many little yeses and there's no death to self. Have you ever noticed that if one small thing you don't do in the day, everything just unchains and unravels into this. A bunch of horrible things that end up happening. Yeah, I invite you to watch something on YouTube. It's kind of cool. It's uh, you know, the power of a made bed or something like that. You guys ever heard of it? Yeah. There's this general, and he's, he's like a Navy general or something, and he's talking about how important it is to do your bed in the morning. He says that if you do that, you would have accomplished the first, you would have had your first victory in your day. And that unravels to so many other good things that you will do. And if all things goes bad in that day, then at least you'll come home to a made-up bed. A bed that you yourself have made. And so I think that's just such an incredible concept. But it's not from him. It's from the Bible. It talks about being faithful in the little things. And if you're faithful in the little things, God will bless you in the bigger. Yeah? But it also says that those that cannot be faithful in the small matters, and that's where most people land. So mortification is the ability to say no, 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 no. The most anointed word in the, in, the Bi in the Bible and in the world is what? No. That is the most anointed word. What is it? No. Some of you guys have a hard time saying that. No, let's practice. Say it with me. No. All right. Let's, for those people that are not willing to say no, they're saying yes to themselves but no to this message. Say no. no. All right. Good, good. Okay. The ability to say no is so important. 
Because it is those things that you could say no to that will help you strengthen you, form your character. Okay? A formed character is a character that has made a bunch of little no decisions. Little no decisions. If you smoke, you know what I'm talking about. It did not begin with chain smoking every single day. It usually begins with something so small. King David became a murderer. He became a liar. He became unfaithful. He became, uh, I guess you could say, a fraud for a time because he didn't wake up at the right time and he didn't do what he had to do that day. The Bible says that when the kings go out to battle, it was about noon, it says first. It was around noon when the kings go out to battle. And he was barely rising from his bed and went out the window and looked to his, the place where Bathsheba was taking a shower. And if the rest, you already know the story. He ended up raping that woman because she was a faithful wife to Uriah, the general that was so respectable that even drunk was more honorable than a sober David. And so he ended up doing all these things. Now listen to this, okay? David knew that. And the crazy thing is that happened is that David fell so low. The man after God's own heart, the incredible King David, fell so low because he didn't do the right thing at the right time. He didn't get up on time, and he didn't go fight like he used to fight. Maybe you had many wins already. You've conquered so many things in your life, but you could never stop conquering. As Whitecliff John would say, you're only as funky as your last cut. <laughs> you, you are old, so you probably understood what I was saying. It's a rap song from back in the day. You cannot live on yesterday's bread, right? Today is a decision that you make. Today, today. That's why the Bible says sanctify yourself when? Today. Why doesn't it say sanctify yourself tomorrow because the Lord will wonders among you next week? Because it's a now thing. It's a right here, right now. You cannot lie to yourself and pretend you're going to make the big decision tomorrow. It starts today, not tomorrow Today, I love it when the Bible says, now faith is, in Spanish it says, faith is now the assurance of things fo hoped for. Now, I don't know if it's grammatically correct, but faith is now. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is, not the, faith is now. Now, of course, we could say, oh, I think it's trying to put emphasis on, you know, no, no, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm telling you this. What if I told you that faith without actions is death? That you believe something, but if you're not taking action, you're dying spiritually, even as I speak. Some of you are being confronted right now with some things you need to stop doing and some things you need to start doing. And the excuse of saying, but I couldn't in the past, what makes me think I'm going to be able to in the future, is not a good excuse. It is not a good excuse. It is, I couldn't in the past and I will die trying. Even, even if it kills me, I'll keep trying and trying and trying and trying. And I will die trying to love you back. Amen? So this is what happens. Mortification, that's the first step, to say no to things. So we fast. If you don't know what fasting is, ask the leadership to help you fast. Fasting is so important. It is to say no to you, to say yes to him. It is the practice of saying no to your king's stomach in order to say yes to the king of kings and lord of lords. It is the understanding that just because I desire, it doesn't mean I should have it. It is also the truth that says, Lord, man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that comes from your mouth. It is saying, I don't care how I feel, I know what I know, that 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 it's you who stands above it all. Amen? So fasting is super key. If you don't fast, it's time to start fasting for all of us to get in that. Um, 
If you don't know, if you want to learn something about fasting, just buy the book Fasting by Jensen Franklin. It'll bless your life. Okay, we won't talk much about fasting now, but mortification also happens through help of other people. So for me, I understood that marriage is not just for satisfaction, but for sanctification. Marriage has sanctified me more than most things in my life. It helps me live a life that is set apart. So listening to your spouse is so important for your sanctification. Go to sleep, and you're not going to sleep. If you would have gone to sleep, you wouldn't be struggling with the things you're struggling, but because you didn't hear your wife, now you're chained up. That's just one example, okay? Now, wives, if, if the husband says, hey, you know what, let's stick to the budget, but you can't stick to budget, and you start shopping and buying, and you're compulsively purchasing you should have heard your husband, and then that way you wouldn't be bound to materialism. Materialism doesn't mean you like Prada. Materialism means that you need the material in order to understand how valuable you truly are, and that is so far from where God wants you to be. You see, sanctification happens also through people that are next to you, through the leadership that tells you, hey, did you do your devotional. Why, you gotta, why do I got to do my devotional? Thank you for helping me be sanctified unto God. That's, true. That's what should be your answer, right? It's like, so how is it, how is it going? You know, I know for sure, for sure, for sure that you need someone to help you walk a sanctified life. But we're Americans, darn it. We have something so right, and yet it's so wrong sometimes. Capitalism has blessed the world, but it's also damaged us in the core of our Christianity we are not a capitalistic spiritual being. Capitalism means I can do it. If I try, I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to climb above and, and, and whatever it takes, we're going to get. And it's a good thing in finances. Man, you get there. And you, then you become a blessing to other people. But the truth is this, in spirituality, in your Christian walk, we need communalism. We are a community, not communism, because we're not all the same, but man, we need one another. You need me, I need you, we need God. God wants to use us, praise God, because even himself, being almighty God, desires to walk in relationship with you. You see, Christianity was never meant to, live, meant to be lived alone. And believe me, when I tell you, preaching does nothing for your discipleship. I mean, it helps. It's a jump starter, but a motor doesn't run on the alternator. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't run on the, on the you guys probably won't get this. On the, on the starter, it runs on the alternator. Meaning, you can't just get a, a car going and then expect that that's going to have it go the whole entire time. Your car needs fuel. And sometimes that fuel are words from people that love you and can call you out on things. Yes or no? So, part of mortification, we said, is saying no to things. But it's also, part of mortification is allowing people to help you say no to things. Sanct mortification is, okay, what else can I change? What else do you think I need help with? I want to ask a question. I just dawned on me. If you don't have anybody that is helping you in your Christian walk in this church, I'm sorry, because that's not the way church is supposed to be. I pray that most of you have someone that's connected to you that loves the Lord and loves you enough to encourage you, to bother you at times, to bug you and say, come on, you can do more. Come on, let's go. Show up. How are you doing? Does that make sense? I pray that you're not just being part of a church and you're not truly connected to the body of Jesus, that you haven't been severed like a, an arm that's been cut off and eventually it's going to rot. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I pray that you're so connected that that, obedience, the lifeblood of Christianity, the anointing, it's also flowing into you. Amen? 
Okay, so now the next thing, mortification, we understand what it is. The next one is vivification. Okay, we already talked about saying no, 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 no. Now it's saying yes, 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 yes. The no, 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 no is where a lot of people never get to. But some do. But because of the way they live, others don't want to get there. Let me explain it like this. Some Christians are really good no-sayers. No, I do not drink. No, I do not chew. No, I do not hang with people that do. You know, like, no, I don't go out with girls. No, I don't go out with guys. No, I don't go out at all. No, I don't do that. Skirt, I don't wear skirts. Pants, I don't wear pants. You know, makeup, what? You know what I mean? Like, oh, everything is bad. No, 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 no. They've done such a good job, the church, that sometimes saying no, 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 no. That the outcome looks so, uh, no thank you, to the rest of the world. Because they didn't learn the power of the yes, 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 yes. The vivification, the part of enjoyment, the part of doing life with God. That sanctifies you. Listen, sometimes we think it's saying no to things, but it's saying yes to God. Yes to something greater. I would not stop dating women had I not met Eunice. Why would I? Why do I stop going out with girls? But when I saw her and we got to know each other and I realized she's worth every one of them. I gladly will stop chasing anyone else because you are worth my life. Now, that may not sound exciting to some single people because you haven't met your Eunice. But it is bomb. You know, like you have to get this. The big yes will sanctify you from all the other ones, all the other things. So you've said no, 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 praise God. But you could only go so long without the big yes. It's not sanctification from, it's sanctification for. Repeat that. It's not sanctification from, it's sanctification for. D.L. Moody was asked, you know, D.L. Moody, he went into this, this place, uh, this university. He was trying to learn. He wasn't a, a very uh, literate man. He, he had a lot of struggles in his beginnings. Um, and he was trying to find things. But he started going to this university just to try to find you know, some knowledge. And this professor asked the class, how do we empty this, this, this bottle of its contents? How do we get the air out of it? People began to say, well, you got to heat, heat, you know, you got to heat the air because then it'll expand and you could suck it out with a vacuum and you got to cool it and all these things. And he said, well, why don't we just fill it with a liquid? Why don't we just fill it with something else? I think that's so simple, isn't it? Like, duh, of course. But is your life really filled or are you just trying to empty it from all the negative things? See, it is filling things that really, 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 truly God wants. He wants to fill things. He wants to fill you with him. Sometimes we're so good, like I said, at the saying no. Or we are good for a while until we get tired of it. And we don't realize why. And we feel like such failures to God. And we're like, God, like, I tried. You know, I tried. And the Lord's like, yeah, I know, but... You weren't filled with me. You didn't get filled with everything that I am. The importance of purpose, you guys. The importance of purpose. The most complaint-filled people are the people that are struggling with their purpose. That's a fact. I'm a pastor and I do this for a living. Listen, whenever someone's having a hard time living out their Christianity, it's not because they're bad. It's because they lost sight of what it's for. It's not the how. It's the why. It's the why. The how comes along. You will complain. You will get angry. You'll feel down. People will hurt you. You'll hurt people. It's going to suck so bad. 
if you forget why. It won't matter if you don't know why. You want to throw it away because you won't know why. Do you know, I, I was telling someone today, we were working, and I said, I hate throwing things away if I don't know what they are. If I don't know what it is, then I know I'm going to need it one day when I figure out what it finally was for. Have you ever been there before? You threw a screw away, and you're like, oh, it was, okay. So it was for that thing that's falling off. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the thing. You know, you have to find out what your life truly, really is for. What are you saying big yeses to? I'm going to finish tonight with something very practical. We have begun doing this vision. It's called the G12 vision. Now, it is not the only way to live out the gospel. There are many ways, but it is an incredible, powerful, beautiful, transforming manner that we have been blessed to receive. Why do I tell you this? If you're in here and you're in this church, start doing it. It's the vision that God gave us. It's the dream of God for this time, for this church. Why do I tell you this? If you go online, you'll see a lot of people that did it and it didn't work for them. And some people that did and did work for them. Because it's such a powerful vision. If the people at the heart of it are not right, it'll hurt a lot of people. But if the heart is right, like Jesus' heart, it'll bless multitudes and nations like it's already done. Why do I tell you this? Because some people spend their entire lives in a church. And I'm talking about just the local church. But they never get connected with the vision and the dream of the pastor of that community. Now, it sucks if the pastor doesn't have a dream or a vision to connect to. I also understand that. But the truth is, you need to get connected to that. Because if God planted you somewhere, it's not to keep you there, but to grow you there. Amen? We don't keep people. That's not the business we're in. If you want to leave, peace. Seriously, that's not our job. Our job is to grow you. And if that pushes you out, then so be it. Praise God, we want you to grow. You have to know that. You have to get that. Because if you're not connected, if you're not really rooted, then I don't know where you're feeding from. So many people are not truly connected to the vision where the Lord has placed them. And so they're trying to find everywhere else. And it's a sucky way to live. It sucks to live that way. Man, when you're rooted, even if there's no rain, even if there's nothing there, you're so deeply rooted, you are fine. You're doing just great because you're rooted. Amen? Give God a shout of praise if you know what I'm talking about. So, sanctification is not just mortification, but it's also saying yes, yes, yes. It's saying, yes, Lord, I want you. Vivification is the new life in Christ. It's knowing who you are now. Now. So, I used to live in El Monte, 1230, no, 12330 Ferris Road, apartment D, El Monte, 91732. I no longer live there, and I know I no longer live there, but sometimes my car wants to go that way. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm driving on the 605, and instead of going, you know, off on the 60, going eastbound towards the Hacienda Heights, I miss the 60, and I go towards the 10, and I try to go west, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Do you know why? Because I'm so used to living in El Monte, I cannot fathom, my, my being is not caught up yet with my new place to live. That happens in our Christian walk. 
We, we're living in such a way, and the Lord's like, no, you're not that anymore. You're a new creation. Quit trying to drive to the old lifestyle. Even if your impulses tell you, get mad, get mad, get angry, get upset, start criticizing, get angry, cuss them out, cuss them out, punch them in the face. Sorry, that's many of you. That's me. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. You know, or like, oh, you know, just, just leave. Just get angry. Or you know what? Forget people. Forget everybody else. You know what? Forget God. What has he done for you? Instead of all that old self-garbage stuff, Say, so, you no, know, I don't know who you're talking to. That guy no longer lives here. It's done. It's out. I have a new life in Christ. Amen? Give God a shout of praise if you believe it. Now, I know so much of me wants to go in that direction, but I no longer live there. So quit sending mail out. I'm over here. You know what I'm saying? I now live here. Do you know where your new life is? The moment you begin to doubt that, you'll feel uncomfortable. You won't feel like you belong. You feel like you're not at home in Christianity. You feel like maybe it's not where I'm supposed to be. I wonder if you feel that way. I wonder if you feel like you don't belong near the cross of Jesus. I wonder if you feel or you ever felt like, well, I can't seem to connect with people. Can I tell you this? The moment you stop trying, oh, it's going to be rough, man. The moment you stop just trying to belong and make other people belong, you won't even know when it happened. You just know that you're part of something greater than yourself because you're no longer just about you. You now said a big yes to his purpose, to his calling. And instead of feeling comfortable, wanting to be comforted, in spite of the troubles that you go through, you'll find the Lord that has coupled with you. He has joined you. It's called the great commission. Co-mission, together mission. And now you began to do this mission, and you don't even realize when you became a missionary. And you're like, whoa, I live like a man on a mission. I'm going somewhere and I will not be deterred. I'm going somewhere and I don't get distracted. It's a big yes to the Lord. And then the no's become so much easier. But we cannot live lives that are pretending to be sanctified if we're not truly enjoying what the Lord is doing. Listen, There are morally neutral things that will rob your affections for God. There are things that are morally neutral, neither right nor wrong. They are the worst enemies of your true Christian walk. It is those nasty little maybes that wreck your character. They wreck your relationship with Jesus. It is those, mm, I don't know, that really hurts. I talk about this often and I... I, I should expand more on it at times, but there's this chair that lives in most people's houses. It's the chair of the laundry that is not ready for the laundry place. It's not clean and it's not dirty. It's not stained, but it doesn't smell fresh. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like if you smell carefully under the arms and breathe into it, yes, it's dirty. But you can't really tell because it's only been worn once or twice. It's that chair that gets, boop. It starts with one shirt and then the pants go on top of it. Do you know what I'm saying? No, most of you guys not because you have perfect, amazing ability to discern between right and wrong. But for some of us, we keep putting pants over it and shirts over it. And pretty soon you realize, man, that shirt was clean because I tried it and I didn't put it on. But it was clean. But now it's full of all the other unclean, maybe not clean things. And this freaking chair acts against your character so much because now it's telling you, <laughs> it's literally saying, <laughs> you started so well. But now look at you. What are you going to do with me? When are you going to wear me? 
When are we going to come back into oneness, you and I? And then you can't decide because the place you're going is too good for that and it's too bad for that. Right? It's not a dirty enough job to wear it and it's not an occasion for you to wear something you've worn before. Maybe I'm going too far into this for some of you, but if you agree with me, you know, if you have that chair in your house, you know what I'm talking about. Then it starts, that chair starts overwhelming everything else, and it begins to spill to the floor and then to the bedroom, and then now it's like easy to tip over because it's so top heavy. Listen, that chair begins to impact the rest of your life. I know that because you're so good in so many other areas, but your character is already being attacked. I tell you the same thing happens with your snooze button that I say it's demonic. The snooze button is meant to tell you, just kidding. You wanted to make a decision, but now you can't. So let's wait a little longer. See if you have the, to make the decision later. That's what the snooze button is. Now, I'm not saying that the snooze button, if you click it, you become evil. Or if you're a chair and if you have clothes there, then you cannot preach the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you it's those neutral things that don't seem so bad that end up destroying you. They're hurting you. Those things that are so neutral that you're like, ah. See, drinking is not fully bad, but it is. But if you have a story of problem with alcohol, or you live around people with that, what the heck are you doing? You get that or no? Can I go there for a second? Yeah? Can I get personal? Let's get physical. Yeah, can I do that or no? Music. Man, you're not supposed to be listening to that garbage. You're not a trash can anymore. Stop letting trash into your mind, into your... Why in the world would you choose that Yankee over a worship song? I don't get it. There's nothing in me now in this new self that would choose 50 Cent over anyone else that would choose to praise God. I don't care how good the... I don't care how good the beat is. I don't really, I don't understand it anymore because I no longer live there. If you're still living there, get the heck out of it. Evict that person. Say, I'm out of here. You're out of here. We're not there anymore. I need worship. I need to praise God. I need a new mindset, a new environment. Listen, you won't make it. I promise you by being soft. There's a war and someone's trying to destroy you. You cannot make it by allowing simple indiscretions. Those divide your heart. It's a new, tiny, little thing that you didn't know before. Now you allowed it. I never found a man, and I've met many, believe it or not, that got girls pregnant. Never one time have I found one that said, I meant to get her pregnant. Unless he's a husband and one trying to have a kid. It always was like, well, I don't know, man. It just, we began so good, and then, you know, and then we watched a movie, and we held hands, and then this time, and then thing happened, and we started, like, you know, this song came on, it's our, it was our song. <laughs> and then something else happened and something else happened. And it's just this snowball effect. And now he's having to make big decisions, contemplating between child murder or his future. And I'm thinking, what? how'd you get here? And most people will tell you it was those neutral things that we shouldn't have allowed. The neutral things like, well, the family was home, but they went to bed and I stayed there. You told me I could go there, so I'm going there. Is that okay still? I see your face is like. <laughs> it's those things, man, that you that day were tired. You didn't go to cell group, and you told your leader, I can't make it because I'm at work. And you were already off, but you were tired, and you justified it. And the enemy is like, good job. Let's keep going down this route. One covers up another. Let's do another one. You get what I'm saying or no, man? It is those soft things in you that hurt everything. 
by the time you look, you're already in a big mess, and you're like, how did I get here? How come, how come I can't even make a decision to open my Bible anymore when I used to love Jesus so much? That's how it happened. It's the neutrality of your Christianity that ends up murdering the real you, the one that's meant to live and walk as in the Garden of Eden. It is those neutral things that you say, okay, Lord, I want to be sanctified. I want to be set apart. Some of you may ask, Pastor, I already do so many big things, so wrong. What do I do now? Start doing small things right. Tiny little things. Start saying yes to God, no to you, little by little, little by little, little by little. I promise you, when it comes down to the big thing, you'll be so worked out in the no's and in the yes, you're going to be like, yes, no. It's going to be so easy for you because you become, believe it or not, conditioned to live a righteous living. I know I've said so much and we've covered too much, but if you could summarize this whole thing in one thing, it comes down to saying, yes, Lord, know me. Yes, Lord, know me. Stand up with me for a second. Satan was crying on the curve. He was weeping. This, Satan was like so sad. He was like, oh, my God. He's like uncontrollably sobbing. So this angel comes and tells him, hey, Lucy, for... <laughs> Why are you crying? And he's like, I'm so sad. Why are you so sad, man? I've seen you messed up, but this is bad. I've seen depression. You own it, but man, this is bad. He's like, yeah, you know what? I just feel so bad. Why? Because people keep blaming me for things that I've never done. Christians, they just blame me for everything. And I haven't done all that. We can't keep blaming the devil. We can't keep blaming the world. Sanctification starts now and it starts with you not tomorrow but today so how do we start start saying no and start saying yes today if you haven't been justified we're going to pray a simple prayer it's a decision it's not a magical spell it's not like oh you're all of a sudden now it's your choice you're making the decision to say no to the world and yes to God. And you're going to turn your back on sin. And you're going to face the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. I want you with all I have. Thank you. Because when you see me now, you see Jesus in me. You see the Lord who paid for it all. Amen? That is justification. You are now a justified being. So we're going to pray a prayer for that. We're going to pray that you join that prayer if you haven't been justified. Or if you don't know if you are saved. But that's the moment of salvation. Here's the thing. We're also going to pray that God helps you walk a life of mortification and vivification where you say no and yes to the Lord. No, it's the left. Yes, is the right foot. No, yes. No, yes. And you keep drawing closer and closer and closer to God until you're able to look at your life and say, I love you, Lord, because you and I have walked this incredible journey and it's been so good. No regrets. No sorrows. None of the I wish I would have. Let's not come to that ever. Amen? Let's live a life worth writing a book about. That people would say, oh, I want to read that book. Her book is awesome. Man, have you ever read the life of, man, of Ryan? It's awesome, man. How he lived on faith. Do you know what I'm saying, man? Have you read that, that book, the, the Whitney book? No, never. What's it called? Whitney. <laughs> it's awesome, man, how this woman just sold it all for She lived for Jesus. It's so encouraging. Versus a book that people would read and say, oh, yeah. Read that one before. Matter of fact, I think I'm living it. Let our lives, let our light so shine. Amen? So let's pray. Close your eyes for a second. Whew.
Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Amen. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Dear Jesus, thank you because you set the example for us. You're a leader that truly, truly, truly leads with your back. You don't push, you lead. Thank you for pulling us closer to the purpose of your Father, that is the Lord. Dear God, I ask you right now that anyone in this room that would desire to say yes to you and no, no to death and yes to life, it almost seems silly to even ask God, but if there's someone here, Lord, that needs to say yes to you, and maybe they have never accepted you as Lord and Savior, that they would do that tonight. That they don't give you a chance, no, that they would accept the chance that you give to them. Lord, that we understand our position of desperate need of salvation, and we stop putting it off until we get better, but rather say, Lord, I need a physician, and I need him now. I need the doctor of doctors, for my soul is sick. Dear God, I pray right now, if there's someone here that needs you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of their lives, that they would make that choice today. If this is you, I'd like for you to repeat this simple prayer with me. It's a prayer of faith that you will make your own, where we will confess Jesus as our Lord. We will ask for forgiveness, and we'll ask him to be the Lord of our lives, and thank him for dying on the cross. And tell him that we believe his resurrection. Would you tell him, Jesus Christ, tonight I am so sorry for all my sins. I realized that I have fallen. Jesus Christ, I beg you to come into my life and to change it. To make me the person that you created me to be. Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sin. It should have been me. It should have been me. But you hung on that cross instead of me. Thank you for dying so that I can live. Jesus Christ, I believe that you resurrected. You defeated death so I can have victory and eternal life. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Jesus, help me to walk every day closer and closer and closer to you. If you pray this prayer, and for those of you that prayed it before, let me pray a prayer of sanctification. We're going to do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to ask you to do something that I, would not, I was not able to do for two months, and I finally did it last week. Because of my knee injury, I couldn't get on my knees, but finally I was able to do it. And it was such a joy. I heard this before. Would you get on your knees for just a moment? Forget about people around you and who. Someone said that the closest place to heaven is our knees. The reason is because it's where we find ourselves prostrated before God. If you don't know this, but when somebody's being arrested and somebody is a threat, the arresting officer many times will place them in a position of mercy, in a position where they're not able to attack or defend themselves. Most of the time is on their knees or sitting down. For me, I choose my knees and I say, Lord, I surrender to you. You're above me. You're above it all, Lord. I give myself to you. I need you more than ever, Lord. Today on your knees, as I am as well, would you just tell him, Lord, please help me 
in this mortification. Help me in the vivification. Come on, tell him, God, help me to say no to my flesh. Would you begin to pray your prayers? Pray out loud and just begin to ask God to help you to say no. Maybe some of you already know what you need to say no to. And you need to say it right now. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's some area in your finances. Maybe it's some area in your, your, you know, in your family or in your character or in a habit that's been slapping you around. Or, or it's something that you carry from your family and something that's been in generations in your family line. Today's a day where you say, Lord, I don't want to live that way anymore. God, I want to live a life that is committed and, and sold out for you. God, help me to say no to so many things. Take some time right now, and as Georgie plays the keyboard, I'm going to invite you to truly say no to so many things. To begin right now, sanctify yourself now, now, today, right here, right now. Begin now to say no to so many so you could say yes to the greatest, the most incredible thing, and that is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, that you could die to your life so you could live in Him. Jesus says, those that try to save their own lives will lose it. You're going to lose your life if you don't kill it now. But if you do lose your life for his sake, you will earn, oh man, eternal life. You will have a life in Jesus. And a life in Christ is true living, not simply survival. This is the night where you say, Lord, I need you. Help me say no to so much of me. Help me say no to so much of this world, God. Help me say no, no, God. I say no, Lord. I say no, God, to addictions. I say no, God, to bad reactions. I say no to laziness, God. I say no right now, Lord, to an idle life, a life that is so slow. I say no to those things, God. I say no to comfort, God. I say no to excuses, God. I say no to sexual immorality, God. I say no in this very moment, God, to that mindset that tells me that it's okay, it's okay. God, I say no to comfort. I say no to mediocrity. I say no to procrastination, God. I say no, God, to an average religious life. I say no, God. I say no to anger and resentment. Your God, I say yes to you. I say yes to your purpose, God. Come on, just begin to tell God, I say yes to your life, God. I say yes to what you have to offer to me, Lord. I say yes to what, that which you die for. I say yes to your purpose, God. I say yes to salvation on my life and in the life of thousands that will come through me. Come on, say yes to God. Say yes to the vision that he has instilled in this ministry. Not only that, in the scripture. Say yes to the great commission. Say yes to what he came to live and die for. Say yes to what he said yes to in heaven and never regretted as painful as it was. Say yes to the purpose of God. Say yes to worship in you. Say yes to praise. Say yes to a, a, a grandiose life. Say yes, come on, say yes to, to him and say no to selfishness. Say yes to the Lord. You know something? Tonight is an incredible night because before you ever said yes to him, he said a big yes to you. He said a huge yes to you. When the world said no, when Satan said no, sometimes even your family said no. Maybe even a leader or church or, or ministry, man. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or God forbid it be a spouse. I'd say, no, you can't live that way. I know who you are. You keep messing up. You keep falling and falling and over and over. I'm tired. The Lord says, 
the mother and father forsake you, I will never forsake you. The Lord says, even if leadership, even if people around you don't believe in you, I believed in you so much, even though you mess up. The Bible says that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. The Bible says that he is faithful to complete the work that he began in you. He is faithful to you. Even if you are unfaithful, he is faithful. He is faithful. He will finish what he started. Dear God, I thank you for believing in us, people that don't yet deserve it. God, I thank you, Lord, so much. I thank you for loving us, God. I thank you so much, God. We love you, Lord. I ask you for one last thing tonight. And that is that this week of sanctification, we would truly, truly be sanctified, God. That this week, God, would set, up us, set us off on a journey of a holy life, God. That even if it's for this week, that we say no, 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 and yes, yes, yes to you, Lord. That this week alone, instead of finding excuses why we can't live a righteous life, we find excuses on why we should and will live a life worth the Jesus that died for us. Dear God, I thank you so much. Because you gave it all for us. We know that nothing compares to you. But Lord, every day of our life, we want to try to draw closer and closer to you. I pray for those women in this place. Those women in this place that struggle with guilt and shame. The Lord says to you, I love you. You are made brand new. Even if men used you, even if the world saw you as nothing, I see you as pure, clean, sanctified, worth marrying me, worth living with me, worth having a future with me. The Lord says, I know all the things you've done and been done to you, but today you're justified. You're justified. You're worth it all. Even if it was last night, even if it was this morning, the wickedness that has haunted you and chased you, the Lord says to you, even though there's a lion roaring, roaring, prowling about, seeking to devour you, I am your shepherd, the good shepherd, who will look for you and look out for you. I will protect you. I'll look after you. Now men are here have felt defeated. They felt like they could not conquer or overcome. The Lord says to you, in the name of Jesus, I tell you right here in his own words, I don't need to look for new ones. God didn't give you a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. No, he gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of self-control. Look, he gave you a spirit of sonship by the one that you could say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need you. Father, Father, I know my identity is in you. I know who I am. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. Defeat is not you. Man, you are a, a, a son of God. More than conquerors, the Bible says in him. So today we say no to guilt. We say no to shame. We say no to defeat. And we say yes to life in Christ. Dear God, thank you for tonight. Tonight is your night. Tonight was for me. I love you, Lord, so much. We're excited for tomorrow and the rest of the week. We're so happy, God, to be here in your house. Bring some more tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise.